Merry Christmas, Fellowship Church. It's good to be together on this, the second day of Christmas officially. We have 12 days to celebrate, you know, according to our Christian calendar. Uh, But this is the second day, a day when we celebrate that God is here. The Messiah has come. And so this morning as we worship together, may we open our eyes to see him, lift our hearts in praise, bow our wills in submission to him and declare that Christ is the supreme authority of this world and maybe even of our very own lives. Because, my friends, Christ is here and the light has come. Let us stand and celebrate and sing to that Christ. Good Christian friends rejoice with with us 
sound great singing these Christmas carols, Fellowship. It's so good to be here with you. Uh, It is because God and sinners are reconciled that we can come to Christ in full confession of our sins, not fearing judgment or condemnation, but confident that we will receive forgiveness and healing and love. And so I invite you into this moment as we Bring our whole selves to Christ as we pray this prayer of confession. The words will be on the screen and we will each have a part. So watch for the words that are in orange for the congregation's part. And I will speak the words that are in white. God of love, all year long we pursue power and money. Yet you come in weakness. All season long we covet great material gifts. When you alone offer what is lasting. Through the work of this Lord Jesus who comes among us, full of grace and truth, forgive us, heal us, correct us. When we allow darkness to overcome the light, forgive us, Lord. When we reduce Christmas to plastic and tinsel, have mercy on us, Father. When hardness of heart keeps us from seeing and hearing and touching, Let your grace consume us, O God. When the wars around us are of no concern, forgive us, Lord, and move us to compassion for those who suffer. When our caring is not extended into action, move us to seek justice for our brothers and sisters. We come to confess our sinfulness before you and each other. We are powerless without your love. Remove all barriers that divide us and let there be no obstacle to our love for you and for one another. Then open our lips that we may sing your praise with the angels and remake our lives that we may witness to your transforming love through Christ our Lord, amen. Siblings in Christ, it is the peace of Christ that we share amongst one another. And so the peace of Christ be with you. We have um, been 
kind of advertising, I suppose, Christmas carols, favorite Christmas carols of our congregation that you are welcome to send them in and we would sing them today and next week. And so this next song that we have actually came to us by way of Amanda Price. It's one of her favorite Christmas carols in the bleak midwinter. Um, And she says she loves it because we have such cold Michigan winters, that language of snow on snow on snow. Although we don't have any of that right now, I'm sure (laughs) we will come back to this in January. Maybe we'll want to revisit this song then. Um, But just the, she said that last line of the song, um, what I can, I give him, give him my heart. So let's sing this song together.
Well, Fellowship Church, the Lord be with you. My name is Jess Mix, and I'm the Minister of Creative Arts and Worship uh, on staff here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. I have a couple of things to let you know that are going on in our midst. Um, obviously, today is a little bit of a different service time, 9.30 a.m. It's going to be repeat next week. One service, 9.30 a.m., um, and then we'll resume our pattern of having two services, 9 and 10.30 on January 9th. Um, so mark your calendars for that so that you don't show up too early or too late for, for the service, um, and we will still be live streaming, and we'll continue to sing some more Christmas carols and some other songs. Um, also, we have our community nights that will be resuming on January 12th. That's Wednesday, January 12th. So we have a couple more Wednesdays off for that. And you can check our website for different things that are available during that time. But it really is fun for the whole family. And if you have nothing else to do, you can come on in here and join us for band rehearsal and watch the music then. <laughs> Maybe tell us how we can tweak a few things for Sunday. Um, so those are the things that I wanted to let you know about. And as we continue in worship, um, Vani is going to share with us one of her favorite Christmas carols. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> God speaks to us and touches us through music. And this Christmas season, I heard a Christmas song that was fairly new to me called Candlelight Carol by John Rudder. And it was sung by the Cambridge Singers, and it was written for choral music. The words are earthy and simple but they painted a picture of God's creation and his birth that were new to me. Though there were many cares and concerns in my life, this song just kept coming into my mind. And I would even be walking in the woods sometimes, and I would hear the words of this song. And it was like God was saying to me, I'm here. I have you covered. I love you. And... Um, I hope songs touch your heart that way too many times that they can come with you and you can carry them along with you. Um, well, anyway, then John Rutter wrote a piano book this year. It was the first year that he arranged his carols for Christmas for a piano. So I sent for it and showed it to Jess. And then she, um, a couple weeks ago, said, would you share your favorite carol and there's so many, I didn't know what to share. And on Christmas Eve, I said to her, I really don't know what carol I'm going to share yet. <laughs> and so then, really early this morning, I got up and I listened to it again. And so I'm choosing to play for you the piano version of Candlelight Carol. And here are the words of this beautiful song. How do you capture the wind on the water? How do you count the stars in the sky? How can you measure the love of a mother? Or how can you write down a baby's first cry? Candlelight, angel light, firelight, and star glow shine on his cradle till breaking of dawn. Gloria, Gloria! In it, Chelsea's Dale, angels are singing, the Christ child is born. Shepherds and wise men kneel down and adore him. Seraphim round him, their vigil will keep. 
Nations proclaim him their Lord and their Savior, but Mary will hold him and sing him to sleep. Candlelight, angel light, firelight and star glow shine on his cradle till breaking of dawn. Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis Deo. Angels are singing, the Christ child is born. You may not know this, but there's a pretty 
significant process that goes through Pastor Ross and I's minds as we consider who should be a guest preacher here at Fellowship Church. The first step is we, we try to think of who, how, how might we know this person? I mean, fellowship is kind of a, a, a tight-knit community. We seek to be this group of people that love each other. And so we always are looking first for someone that we either know uh, pretty well from amongst us or someone that we have a pretty good connection with as a mission partner. The second step is, of course, you got to think, if not knowing, we have to make sure that they're at least a pretty good preacher, you know, like they they have a good word to say and that they're not going to come and, you know, just fall flat on their face because we don't want that for them or for us. The third step is that, you know, Ross and I are two dudes that were born six months apart, so, you know, it might be good for us to look for some diversity in the pulpit, you know, someone that looks and maybe talks and has a little bit different life experience or based on their gender or their age or something along those lines. (laughs) Well, this morning, we hit the trifecta because not only did we get someone we know, we also got someone that is uh, a great preacher and uh, offers us a different perspective as a female. So uh, we are grateful. Uh, I didn't say anything about age. Uh, I, mean, I, I did notice, I, though, this, this just like literally 10 seconds ago when I was like, Kate, what year did you graduate from Western Seminary? And it was, you know, 10 years before yeah, I did, Kate. I mean, so we, there's a slight uh, yeah. difference there, but yeah. not much. Mm. Much wiser. <laughs> that's it. There it is. Yeah. Anyway, Kate is uh, part of the Fellowship family, which we love. Kate uh, loves Jesus, uh, has uh, dedicated her life to being a chaplain, uh, or most recently, not dedicated her life to being a pastor, but then also now serving as a chaplain uh, with Hospice of Holland. Her and her wife, her husband, Chad, uh, are also avid uh, Packers fans. Uh, well, whatever, a Wisconsinite. So, yeah. Kate, we are yeah. so grateful uh, that you are willing to bring us the word this yeah. morning. And do you mind if I offer a prayer for you it. and for all of us uh, gathered? God, thank you uh, for Kate, for who she is, and for the gifts that you have given her, for her love for you and her desire for folks uh, to come into a loving relationship with you. And I thank you that you have uh, used those gifts uh, in service of hospice, but also we pray uh, that you might use those gifts uh, for your glory and for our own edification this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Give it up for Kate Meyer, come on. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, everybody. I will say uh, I was involved in the approval of both Pastor Nate and Pastor Ross being taken under care of classes of Highlands. So, um, I mean, if you don't like it, it's not my fault. But if you love them, you're welcome. Okay? All right. Good. We have spent these last four weeks preparing for Christ's birth. During this season of what? What season did we just come out of? Good job. See, this is what happens when you get someone from your own congregation. You know what's been going on. Four weeks. We spent four weeks talking about hope and joy and peace and love. Four weeks anticipating the remembrance of Jesus' birth and anticipating the fulfillment of what Jesus' birth ushered into this world. Candles were lit, stories told, Songs sung, anticipation built. And then finally, 
On Christmas Eve, we gathered to hear the familiar story once again, read and sung, and we remembered that the light shines no matter how heavy the darkness, and we left worship that night with a peace that truly passes all understanding. And then the day arrived, Christmas. Christ is born. I find it interesting that if a few months from now, I said to you, Christ is risen, many of you would say, nicely done. We don't have something like that for Christmas. Isn't that interesting? I say Christ is born, and then you say, yay. I, I mean, yes, he is. I don't know. We don't have anything. It's weird because we can't have one without the other. We don't get to the cross and the empty tomb without the manger, right? I wonder if part of that is perhaps because the day itself is consumed with something different. Family and presence, food and fun. But what about Jesus? Truly, take a moment and think, how much of yesterday did you spend thinking of Jesus? How much of yesterday was spent in worship and awe and wonder? And what about today? So let's try another fill in the blank. It's the most, yes, three for three fellowship, way to go. I'll be honest, this is absolutely my favorite season of the year. The whole atmosphere changes in November. I personally, much to the dismay of both my husband and my father, in, in all honesty, um, am the pre-Thanksgiving camp. I don't wait to Thanksgiving as much as I can for the music and the decorations, um, unless you know illness prevents it like it did this year, but whatever. Something changes in the air. You can feel it, right? There's, people are, are a little more kind. There's a little more hope, a little more goodwill, and more attention to causes that pull at the heartstrings. Even people who aren't genuinely feeling those things at least try to put on a facade lest they be named a Grinch or a Scrooge. Like Advent, the approach from Thanksgiving to Christmas is a slow build. Decorations, time off, gatherings with friends and family, gifts and connections ramp us up as the day draws near. Sure, the dark side of impatience while trying to find that one special gift or battling for the last of whatever random food happens to be out of stock today, thank you, COVID, has its ugly moments, right? And yes, grief. Grief is real. It is present in many ways, especially in this COVID season. And yet, overall, the Advent themes of hope and peace and joy and love, they abide. So what about today? What about next week? If we hadn't sung Christmas hymns this morning, would you have thought about the birth of Christ? 
Did you find yourself, while we were singing them, wondering, why are we singing these songs? When Pastor Nate reminded us this is the second day of Christmas, did you in your head go, wait, what? We have, oh, yeah, we have 10 more days of this. Is that a surprise to you? After a month or more, especially if you work in retail, of preparing and anticipating, it all just stops. On to the next thing. Goodwill towards others, general kindness and patience, those quickly dissipate too. For those of you heading into the return lines today, take a little survey and you'll see what has happened to the level of patience. But did you notice what happened there? It was a merge. A merge of Christmas, the celebration of the Savior entering the world, and Christmas, a commercial celebration. On Christmas Day itself, those two merge. And let's be honest, the commercial celebration takes over. The focus on Jesus' birth and what it means for us today is lost. What about today? The next day, the day after the day. The light came into the world and darkness cannot overcome that light. But it sometimes feels like it can, doesn't it? In a world so divided by politics and money and race and even love, the light of Christ can be hard to find. The darkness is what feels all-consuming. But hope is not lost. There is something that we can do. In fact, as followers of Christ, there is something we should do. Luke 2 is a long chapter that begins with the story of Jesus' birth and ends with 12-year-old Jesus at the temple. In recent days, we have focused a lot on the first 20 verses of Luke 2. And this morning, on the next day, join me as we listen to what came next for this new family of three from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 28. Listen for the word of the Lord. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace 
according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you catch it? Let me give you a hint. It's nothing extraordinary. If we want to keep hope, assured hope, alive, if we want Christ's peace to extend to all, the answer is not complicated and certainly not as complicated as we tend to make it. So what does Luke teach us? First, continue to live the faith. We look back at Jesus' birth and see it as miraculous, a moment in a stable that changed the course of history forever and birthed a new faith. But in those days, Mary and Joseph lived their faith as they knew it. God spoke to them, after all, as the Jewish believers that they were. They had religious customs to follow, and they did so, without question and without hesitation. When the time came, they circumcised him and gave the baby the name that had been given to them. They knew, they knew that this baby would, be, would one day teach them far more than they could ever teach him. Yet, until God showed them otherwise, they committed to raising Jesus in the faith that they knew. I enjoy the movies, the decorations, the, the music, but what I most enjoy about the holiday season is what I described a few moments ago, that change in the atmosphere, in the way that we treat one another, in the sympathy we have towards others, the focus that gets turned back to God and hope. What I dread most about this season is its end. December 26th, return to normal. Divisions that were ignored or put on hold come back in full swing. As the ones called to keep Christ's light burning in this world, we have a responsibility to keep things going, to not let what was return. As one song says, the day is done, but the spirit, the spirit should remain. 
As followers of Christ, we continue living the faith spelled out in the word, the word in flesh and the word written for us. Living with the focus on God, treating everyone we meet as a friend or neighbor, and then feeding, clothing, seeking justice for that same neighbor. None of it stops on December 26th. What do we do on the next day? We keep on living our faith. That's number one. Second, then, is to let your life be driven by the Spirit. According to Luke, Simeon was a man who lived his life guided by the Holy Spirit. Pre-Pentecost, this is, this is a big deal. If you look pre-Pentecost, the moments of the Spirit descending, resting on a person, we don't get many of those images, and yet here we read about Simeon. He's described as a man who is righteous and devout and as one who received a revelation by the Spirit about Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, more importantly, namely that he would meet the Messiah before his own death. Now, from this passage, we can't know how far in advance the Holy Spirit delivered this message. I, I think it's a little bit like um, how when we read uh, later in the New Testament, when Paul continues to say, soon, the end of the age is coming soon, Jesus will be back soon, and here we are thousands of years later waiting for Jesus to come back. We don't know if he was given advance notice days, weeks, months, maybe even years. What we do know is that Simeon's life of faith allowed him to do two significant things. Recognize the Holy Spirit speaking to him, whatever that looked like for him, and recognize when that word is being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would meet the Messiah. And then the Spirit told Simeon when to go to the temple. And he went. He didn't balk at the fact that this Messiah is a baby, as many later did when just the carpenter walked on. No, Simeon took Jesus in his arms, praised God, and blessed Jesus, confirming once again to Mary and Joseph who this child already was and would still become. On, Pente on Pentecost Sunday, we wear what color? Excellent. Aren't you proud, Nate? Come on. <laughs> because of Pentecost, we are assured that we too hold the ability to hear the Holy Spirit. So are you, like Simeon, attuned to the Spirit? Or is the work of the Spirit so unfamiliar that, like those gathered at Pentecost, you would hear it instead as drunken ramblings rather than the word of God. Jesus' birth opened the door for us to receive the Holy Spirit as our advocate until Christ returns. That's a great gift. A gift that never needs to be returned. It always fits, and as with any gift, can't just be left in the box. 
We need to live with our sense tuned to the spirit, not dampened by the world. If you need a place to start, just look at the Christmas story and take your cue from there. Mary and Joseph, each visited by an angel, and they listened. The wise men were warned in a dream, and they heeded that warning and went back another way. Shepherds had a full sensory invasion of angels. And after they gathered themselves, I imagine, they went to the place they were told, the place the star indicated. Each of these people and Simeon, they had in common the fact that they were open. They were open to something beyond the norm, open to something beyond that which this world offers. Open, in fact, to what this world calls foolishness. Which will you choose on this next day? A life of faith guided by the Spirit or a life guided by the world? Third, Anna. Anna teaches us that living a life of faith guided by the Holy Spirit must include this final guidance. Continue the conversation. Continue the conversation. Before he was born, Jesus was already an instigator. He took what the world said and turned it upside down. And in his birth, the recording of his birth, in the early year stories, we see this in the inclusion of the women who are central to Jesus' story. His birth line, the spreading of the news, the, the uh, leaping of John in Elizabeth's womb, and Anna, Anna's story. It's so small, it's, it's tucked right on in there in between Simeon and more prominent stories, but it's still there and it's important nonetheless. After a brief marriage of only seven years, scripture gives us interesting details sometimes, right? Like you read it and think, why do I need to know that? But seven years she was married. Anna spent the rest of her life living at the temple, living a life of worship, of prayer, of fasting. She was there. So she was there when Simeon arrived she was there when Mary and Joseph and Jesus came in. She was there when Simeon took Jesus in his arms and proclaimed Jesus a light for revelation to the Gentiles. She heard his words to Mary, both foreboding and glorious. And how did she respond? Anna began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. She continued the conversation. It would be years before Jesus would begin his formal ministry. And people would slowly, slowly, slowly begin to recognize him as the Messiah. But Anna planted those seeds to everyone she encountered in the temple. And in, the interim, in those interim years, those seeds 
grew in the hearts of all who had heard her words to create a fertile ground ready to receive the truth when it was fully received. That is our role today. Worship, fast, pray, yes, all of those are good to do. Do them though, remembering that what you learn, what God reveals to you in your worship, in your prayer, and in your fasting is meant to be shared. We are light bearers and seed planters. We won't always see the fruition of those seeds. And as hard as that is, as disappointing as that can be, remember that we don't need to see the fruition when God is at work. Continue the conversation. As the saying goes, tell people about Jesus and use words if you must. Commercial Christmas. Commercial Christmas is getting bigger and louder each year. But compared to the light entering the world, it's nothing. Go, tell it on the mountain, at the lakeshore, down the ski slope, on the basketball court, wherever. Just keep the story going. Live it. Tell it. Share it. So on this, the next day, we as followers of Christ are called to continue living a life of faith, guided by the Holy Spirit, and speaking the story. And lest live a life of faith feels a little overwhelming in its generality, I have something for you. Because God gives us wonderful indicators by which to know that we are living that life. Listen to these words from Galatians chapter 5. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, that's Advent. And the way people live during the holiday season, patience, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, maybe not the last one, right? Will sound familiar? That atmosphere that we encounter in November and December. If in life, you experience and generate in the life of everyone that you meet, generate in others love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Live those things, generate those things in others. You can be assured you are on the road to living a life of faith, guided by the Holy Spirit and continuing the conversation. Advent is done. Christmas Day has come and gone, but the Spirit indeed should remain. We are to be shining examples to this world, of this to the world living in darkness. And we can begin today. 
choose a fruit of the Spirit and focus on growing it in your life and in the lives of all that you meet. Then, when you're done, pick another one. Repeat and repeat and repeat the sounding joy, for Christ has come to earth. Amen.
would you stand and let's sing together joy to the world. siblings in Christ, as you leave this place, go to live a life of faith, guided by the Holy Spirit, and continue the conversation. Go in peace. <laughs>